Chapter 1 July 5th, 2018 The morning began normal enough for my husband Ian and me. We were discussing our plans for the day while lying in bed facing one another. We had learned early on when our two beautiful girls were little that this time alone would be the only time in the day that we would have each other's full attention with no distractions. This also allowed us to synchronize our watches for the day's events. Although both girls were now adults, it had become habit over the last 23 years. It was my favorite part of the day. Ian is beautiful to look at. I first laid my eyes on my handsome husband when I was 24 years old while walking into a country western bar with my friend Sarah. As we strolled in, I saw the most exceptional sight. He was tall, tan, exceptionally good-looking guy with the most amazing blue eyes. He had a strong jawline and a muscular build, just my type. I turned to Sarah to make sure that she was seeing this vision of perfection before us. I stood there, pleading with my eyes for her to just know what I was thinking. I'm sure that I look like a fish out of water, moving my lips with no sound coming out. I was having a hard time forming any words, and that was not normally a problem for me. Most of the time, I struggled with too many words forming. Then, the words would jump out of my mouth like a bat out of hell, racing to the ears of every being within hearing distance. Sarah tried to nudge me towards the bar for a drink and the cute bartender she always flirted with, but I could not move. I froze in place just staring at her, then back at the divine being disguised as a man just ten feet away. I will marry him, I said to Sarah, pointing to the mortal god standing mere feet from us. He is hot, Sarah said, checking out the guy's rear. She was staring as if chocolate cake and teenage dreams made up the ingredients of his backside. No, Sarah, you don't understand. I know I've never met him, but I know him. That is my soulmate, I tried to explain. It was hard to articulate my words due to the sensation of complete astonishment washing over me. Sarah gave me her best, there you go again with your intuition thing, look, and walked to the bar to get a drink and a wink from her favorite bartender. I have been different my whole life and often treated cruelly by others because of those differences, especially by my family when I was a child. I have always had a strong intuition and could see and hear things that other people could not. Often, when meeting people for the first time, I automatically knew personal experiences from their lives without being told. Most of the time, it would be an experience they had told no one. Not that I would blurt out their private information, but it always seemed to come to light at some point. This always freaked people out. My mother had warned me at a very young age that I could not tell people about these thoughts that randomly came to me because the doctors would lock me up in the loony bin and experiment on me with needles. Needles and my mother were my biggest fears at four years old. To be fair to my mother, she had just introduced me to her new boss. My initial question for this wise man would be the beginning of an event that would shape my entire childhood and path on this earth. Does my daddy know that you kiss my mommy when you are by yourselves? I asked with the innocence of my age. I didn't know you could have a boyfriend and a husband. I was a little kid and I was curious. He was the boss of the joint. He should know all the answers or at least know where to find them. He looked at my mom in complete disbelief that she had told her four-year-old daughter that she was having an affair with her boss. He knew there was no way that I could have seen them together. 
They were way too careful. My daddy was a police officer. My mother silently shook her head with a look on her face that said, I said nothing. They both seemed to be having trouble with their big boy and big girl words. So, being a thoughtful child, I continued with another question, just to get the ball rolling again. Does your wife know that my mommy is your girlfriend? I said in my most polite manner. I knew all too well that my mother disciplined impolite children harshly. Apparently, he was a nice boss. Not only did he give my mommy kisses when they were alone, but he also let her have the rest of the day off. My mommy and daddy had a big fight that day. I guess my daddy did not know that my mommy had a boyfriend, and daddy was very mad. I think mommy told daddy about her boyfriend boss that day so I wouldn't ruin the surprise. My daddy moved out that day. He told my mommy he had rights because he was my daddy. He told her he would never stop fighting for custody of me. So my mommy took his right to be my daddy away. Mommy always told daddy not to play games with her because mommy always wins. Mommy responded to daddy's demands to see me with a piece of paper the judge called a restraining order. It said my daddy had been hitting mommy and me. Mommy told a policeman that my daddy said he would take me with him and not bring me back. Mommy said that we were in fear for our lives. I didn't tell the policeman mommy was lying. She had already shown me what would happen if I told. My daddy was a police officer and spanking your wife and child would get you in trouble. Mommy said that her boss boyfriend had lots of money and friends where we lived and he would fix my daddy. Daddy's boss said daddy couldn't be a policeman anymore. I don't think daddy was broke before he met my mommy. I didn't see my daddy again for a long time, but the day we went to see the judge again, my daddy was there. He looked so sad and tired, but he gave me a big smile. The policeman let me hug him, but just one time. I told my daddy I would go to McDonald's with him because his tummy was too skinny. When the judge asked me if my daddy had been hitting me when he lived in our house, I looked right at that silly judge. No, my daddy would never hurt me. I'm his little princess, I told that judge. I looked up and saw my daddy give me a big smile, and he didn't look so sad anymore. Mommy told the judge I was scared of what my daddy would do to us if I told the judge the truth. I looked at Mommy to say that that was not true, but I saw her wait until we get home look she had on her face. I was so scared that I did not talk any more to that judge, no matter how hard he tried to make me. I think I made the judge mad because he said I couldn't hug my daddy anymore or go to McDonald's with them. A nice policeman was taking me to the bathroom and asked me to tell the truth about my daddy. He promised he would not tell mommy anything, so I told him the truth. The nice policeman told me that he had a big surprise for me, but I could tell no one because he would get in big trouble. I promised I wouldn't tell and gave him a pinky swear like my daddy had taught me. You can't break a pinky swear. He took me into a little room and my daddy was there. My daddy and I both cried a lot. Daddy told me to be a good girl and hide in my closet when mommy gets mad. My daddy said that he loved his little princess so much and told me never to forget. The nice policeman told daddy I had to go back to my mommy. I think they were friends because my daddy hugged him and gave the policeman a bunch of dollars. I'm not supposed to tell about that either, though.
Mommy had already given me a big spanking the day my daddy moved out. She said that I had ruined everything with my big mouth. Mommy said that if she would have known that she had given birth to a freak, she would have left me at the hospital. I wish I would have been there the day you tried to drown her when she was six months old, Mommy said to my big brother while pointing at me. I wouldn't have stopped you, that's for sure. That day with the judge was very confusing to my young mind. My dad had never laid a hand on me or my mom. It was my mother that had been beating me and my dad. We were both terrified of her. Looking back as I write this, I believe my father never spoke of the abuse we received because he was a member of law enforcement and embarrassed. Feeling that if he could not protect himself or his little girl, how could he protect his community? I also believe that my father truly loved my mother and held on to the hope that it would get better. Since my father was now unemployed, a disgraced police officer, and broke, it was easy for my mother to have his parental rights terminated and to get a speedy divorce. She married her boss nine days after his divorce was final. My older brother and I did not have the same father, and I don't remember my brother's biological father being in the picture as I was the youngest. Within a year of my mother's union with her boss, I had a new last name. Her new husband had adopted me and my older brother. I never saw my dad again. The story my mother recounted to me any time I cried for my father was that he never wanted children and that he never believed I was his child. She told me that he had threatened her with divorce if she did not find somewhere else for me to live. My mother said she told him that she would not send me away, so he left. My mother was very unrelenting in reminding me of the sacrifice she had made giving up her beloved husband so that I would not have to go into foster care like my father wanted. It is amazing what they can condition you to believe in a lifetime, even when you saw the truth with your own eyes. My four-year-old brain could not reconcile the loving father who called me his princess with the man my mom was describing. I can remember sobbing so many times uncontrollably out of hurt and confusion. I was quickly reminded that my mother would not stand for crying children. My mother would tell me to be grateful for my new daddy. She would remind me to be a good girl because my old daddy was not coming back. Sometimes I would slip and forget to recount the perfect life fairy tale my mother always recounted regarding how she met my adoptive father. My mother, older sister, and older brother would give their best embarrassed but fake, loving smile while looking at me and shaking their head. They would then explain that I was mentally ill or just a liar, whichever description fit their aim for the day the best. My family was not picky about whom they shared my disabilities with, nor whether it transpired quietly or privately. I learned quickly that no one was exempt from my family's campaign to protect the public from me, not even my teachers, employers, friends, or boyfriends. If I did not follow the script that they had told me to use, my family would make sure I would regret it. So, I stopped trying to defend myself against my family's lies with facts. It would only result in pain or humiliation. A hot iron to a small child's hand makes a lifelong impression. No pun intended. When things got unbearable at age 10, I asked my mother if I could find my dad and live with him. I offered to do all of the work to find him and pay my way to get to him with my money. She refused to even tell me my father's name. Being her thoughtful self, she reminded me again that he left because he didn't want me, and she was sure that he had not changed his mind. She added some new details this time, though. 
My mother stated that my father was a horrible man that had been beating her and cheating on her. I felt guilty bringing up such awful memories of her past. I did finally find my father in 2014. He had passed away 10 years earlier in 2004. He had been living only two hours away from me for several years. When I inquired about siblings, they told me that although my father had married again, he did not have another biological child. He also had never spoken of me or my mother to anyone I could find. The fact that he never spoke of me was very painful at first. Were the stories my mother told me about my dad leaving because he did not want me true? I would find the truth in a photo album that had belonged to my father's mother, my grandmother. This wonderful book displayed pages and pages of pictures of me with my dad. He was holding me and smiling in every picture. I saw him looking at me lovingly, like I had seen Ian do a million times with our girls over the years. I realized in that moment that my dad had loved me very much. Whatever had really happened between my mother and him was obviously too painful for him to talk about. I was unaware yet that my mother had taken me from him in such a cruel way. I would not find the legal documents that led me to the truth of what my mother had done to my father and me for another five years after finding those pictures, just a few short weeks before beginning to write this book. So much pain and suffering had begun with that one random event when I was four years old. I had learned the hard way to keep my abilities to myself until I met Sarah. Sarah was the first person I had trusted enough to tell about my curse since I was a child. She was not like other people I had encountered in my youth. She was open-minded and picked up on the fact that I was unique quickly, and it fascinated her instead of causing her to run away. She helped me to see how special I am not an embarrassment or damaged. We met in high school, and over the years of our friendship, Sarah had seen so much evidence of what I can do to help other people. Even with no clear explanation of how, she loves me anyway. Sarah had come to my defense frequently with family, friends, and even strangers. Those events would normally be someone's ignorance or fear, overcoming their ability to accept things that they did not understand or believe in. Sarah seemed to take it personally when people would be unkind to me because of my capabilities. She did not care who you were. You would get an earful. Sarah wasn't afraid of anyone, not even my mother, which was a complete wonder to me. Everyone was afraid of my mother. I can't wait to see their faces when you show the world who you really are. You will change this world for the good, Sarah would tell me while wiping my tears. I have wondered many times over the last year if Sarah was an angel sent from heaven to prepare me for this space and time. But I digress. Let's get back to the hot dude. I quickly realized that this God among men was with a large group of people, and I did not have the courage to approach him that night. I knew that God would send him my way again when the time was right. This was just a little preview to wet my whistle, I think. I could not have imagined how fast that reunion with my soulmate would be or just how hilarious God's sense of humor was. Fast forward to the following Thursday. Earlier in the week, I had gone out on a date with a guy we will call Jeremy. Don't judge, please. I didn't know how long it would be before Father would send my demigod back onto my path again, so I figured I should stay busy. That way, I would stay out of trouble. Anyway, Jeremy was a jerk. The entire night, he talked about himself and nothing else. At this point in my life, my early 20s, 
I believed the conversation should always be about me. It was obvious for both of us that this would not be any kind of a love connection, not even a like connection. A few days after this disastrous date, I received an odd phone call at work. This was the early 90s and we did not have cell phones, so it was common for people to contact each other at work. So, it was not surprising when the receptionist told me I had a call on the main line. When I picked up the phone, a very pleasant male voice said, Hi, I'm Jeremy's brother. You went out with him earlier this week? What are you doing Saturday night? Whoa, whoa, I think you might have the wrong girl, dude. I don't date brothers, I said, annoyed and offended. No, no, I'm sorry. Let me start again. I'm Jeremy's brother. Saturday is Jeremy's birthday, and I'm throwing a surprise party for him on that day, the male voice said, embarrassed. I got your number out of his phone book. I was hoping you could help me get him to the party. You have got to be kidding me. Jeremy, the talk about nothing but myself all night guy? I don't think so. I would rather spend my Saturday night shaving a porcupine. But then, there it was, that inner voice, that intuition, my gift, that told me to say yes, telling me something very important would happen that night, and I needed to be there. I really didn't want to go. I started thinking of where I could find a porcupine to shave on such short notice. How hard could it be to find a porcupine living in Texas? Okay, where and what time, I heard myself say. What? What in the Hades did I just say? I am truly losing it, I scream in my head. The male voice then gave me the details of my mission and hung up before I could get his name or contact number. God had left me no way out of this event. Against my better judgment, I called Jeremy and asked him if I could take him to dinner for his birthday. He said yes, making sure I knew the sacrifice he was making and allowing me to take him to dinner. It was his birthday, and it would disappoint thousands of his adoring fans. What a lucky girl I was to pay for his dinner that night. Shoot me now, please, continued to replay in my mind. I reminded myself to call that farmer back about borrowing his porcupine Saturday night. Saturday night arrived, and I picked Jeremy up for our date. My plan was to take him to the appointed place at the appointed time and then run away, far away. When we walked into the agreed-upon location, I stopped, dead in my tracks. There, across the room, was that guy, the demigod, that blue-eyed angel of a man that would be my husband, my eternal mate. He was looking right at me. I stood there frozen like a statue in my jean shorts and Mickey Mouse sweatshirt, chastising myself for not taking more time on hair, makeup, and outfit. I had assumed that neither Jeremy nor the porcupine would care about my appearance, never imagining that my future husband would lay eyes upon me that night. As I stood there, completely in shock, my future spouse walks towards me, still staring directly into my eyes. I looked around anxiously, thinking to myself, how am I going to shove Jeremy to the ground, step on his head to keep him quiet without this dream in jeans thinking I'm with someone? I had completely forgotten about the porcupine at this point. I look around trying to think of something fast because my eternal happiness depends on what I do next. As I look back towards the man of my dreams, I realize it is too late. He is now only a few steps away and he was walking straight for me. I scan the room one more time just in case a miracle is materializing. 
but see nothing obvious. Resigned to my fate, I look up into the face of my future and realize he's not looking at me at all. He is looking lovingly at Jeremy? Man, did I read this dude wrong, I thought in complete shock. Happy birthday, little brother, my now husband Ian said to Jeremy. You have got to be kidding me. This will be awkward at family holidays. I look up the heavens and God and silently say, why do you hate me? What have I ever done to you? It all worked out, though, because God had a plan. Jeremy, in true jerk fashion, called another girl to join him at the party as his date. Ian, my knight in shining armor, came to my rescue, and we've been together ever since. It was a little strained at first with Jeremy, but he turned out to be a good guy and married a wonderful woman. They also have three beautiful children together.